1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we are in quick week mode. It only yes. happens a few times a year, but this is this is one of them. The, the, the game is over, and in the Andy Reid schedule, we're already at what would be uh, Thursday of the week, as he likes to kind of tell the guys. Um, and they'll get the, the one full practice on Tuesday. I believe the injury report today will be estimated. And yeah, a couple days, the The Broncos come into town with the Chiefs uh, having an opportunity to go 5-1 and one in their first six games.
2: Isn't this the first season that you could have two Thursday night games? That's new yeah. this year, right? So, yeah, but the and- first one wouldn't have counted anyway. Right, because it's because it was at the beginning of the season, yeah. So we're lucky that there's just just one of these for the Chiefs this year, right? Where it's actually a short week. I haven't looked at the schedule for a little bit to know that. Yeah, one, so. I,
1: I, I believe that is is correct. Yeah. yeah. They have a Monday night football game against the Eagles and then a Sunday night football against the Green Bay Packers. I believe the Patriots game is another Monday nighter, right? And then a uh, spe- be right. yeah. special, and then there's a specialty game for them. Uh, the only other <laughs> noon game uh, happens on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to us! Yeah, yeah. So a, a beautiful schedule <laughs> for the the, the Chiefs uh, this year. The one I, day uh, we
2: wouldn't want to have a noon game.
1: <laughs> right. I'm actually, you know, I don't because if you really look at the schedule that weekend for Christmas, now we're uh, now already way down a rabbit hole that we didn't want to be in. But if you really look at the schedule <laughs> for Christmas, they overload the christmas eve day uh and so you end up getting the full christmas eve where you can kind of watch the football and i think of the slots on christmas day i think getting it over with and then still kind of having at least a little bit of an evening is okay but ideally yeah. christmas uh it, you know th- these holidays christmas and new year's eve sometimes fall on the sunday monday and this is what you end up getting so yeah we will get the coverage to you nonetheless anyway Back to what matters, and that's the Chiefs uh, getting their fourth win of the season. They win against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings cannot stop playing, John, these one score games for the past two years now. All they do is play these one-score games. Last year they won a lot of them. This year they find themselves one and four. Every game this year has been decided for them by one score. Mm-hmm. And yep. I, I, you know, and, and loosely following the Vikings, I know that this is kind of the type of game that they've lost all year where they've been in it at the end. If they played a little bit better throughout the game, they probably could have won it easily, but they shoot themselves in the foot. They give away possessions and, and then they end up getting, getting beat here. And now they find themselves in a tall task to even make the postseason. But I I thought it was a nice gritty win for the chiefs. We'll talk about it on this show. We'll have our marinated takeaways coming up in the next segment. Close with some snap counts. We'll look at the odds versus the Broncos, but first, first, We do have one review, John, Uh, love John. And and this is uh, this is something that I I find that a lot of my female colleagues complain about. It is constant judgment of your physical appearance. Uh, This from the General 51. We'll read it anyway because it was from five stars. But he said loved John without the hat this week. (laughs) First time we have ever seen John without a hat. It's back in his hat today. If you're only listening.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, that's not really true. But I'm typically wearing a hat because I typically and, uh, wear a hat at home. And then
1: yeah. he continues on the other side, Pete, get a haircut already.
2: And it's uh, <laughs> just, just kind of like
1: a little bit rude, but, but but we'll take the five stars.
2: Well, uh, I need I, one a lot worse than you. I don't know what that's about.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I've kind of been I am I am growing it out as, as people have, are, have really begun to notice. And when you're growing your hair out, especially when you do keep it shorter, it, there are there are some awkward phases so i got out of one and then it was looking good again and now i'm in the, now i'm into that like princess leia awkward phase so I got, a, I got a couple more weeks until it goes beyond my ears so we're working on it it doesn't look yeah, the, yeah. the best right now but i feel like by mid-november by the christmas season you'll kind of you'll kind of understand um what i'm going for with that but anyway we got bigger uh fish to fry as they say weird week uh we're coming off the game, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Vikings. We're also going to talk a little bit about the the Broncos. John, wouldn't you say that the number one topic of conversation among Chiefs fans right now is the wide receiver room? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were able to talk to the coordinators, and it, because it's a short week, we knocked out the coordinators on Monday via Zoom. And one of the the folks we got, of course, was offensive coordinator Matt Nagy. He had an opportunity to ask him about if the chiefs can continue to win consistently to continue to sustain with this wide receiver by committee, here were Nagy's words.
3: I I think um, for us, it's going to be more of the committee approach. I think the guys um, we all kind of understand when you say, you know, a guy like Travis Kelsey, you know, he, he, him being a tight end, uh, but somebody that like yesterday had 10 catches uh, and and teams know that, and they know they're going to put plans together to try to stop them. But that said, we also have great, great wide receivers that we know they all have different strengths. And we've been saying that all year long. Um, and for us, it's our job as coaches to put them in different spots to to utilize their strengths. At the same time, um, they also know that they got to know these circles and spots within the offense and and not just their particular route. You know what I mean? They, they got to understand the concept and then what we do is we have a phenomenal quarterback that's able to spread the ball around, and I think it probably it makes it difficult for defensive coordinators to go into a game and say, hey, listen, this guy, um, we're going to shut him down, and they, they can't throw it to these other two or three guys um, because they're just guys. See, we, we feel like we got a bunch of really good players at the wide receiver position that all have different strengths, and we just want to utilize them to the best of our ability.
1: Yeah, this, is, uh, this has become a, a topic that <laughs> – I'm just going to say it's really annoyed me a little bit. And <laughs> I, you know, I see and and look, I, we let our writers at AP write about whatever they want. Just because I don't necessarily agree with a certain take doesn't mean we're not going to be able to print it. I, I trust my writers to to have their takes and to write about them and not picking on Rocky here. But Rocky in our five things this week goes goes in on the chief's front office for not doing enough at the wide receiver position. And I, I, I I've brought this up before, but I'm going to revisit it for a second here and just kind of say that, like, just because the Chiefs drafted Sky Moore uh, and Rasheed Rice doesn't m- mean that they didn't want, let's say, last year, Garrett Wilson or Chris Alave or Jamison Williams or this year when you look in the first round and you see Jordan Addison going off the board, uh, a Quinton Johnston uh, was among the receivers that there was that pocket pretty much confirmed that the chiefs were trying to trade up to that position. I tend to think it was for an offensive tackle or especially in that 20 range where they were able to get McDuffie last year, that wide receiver position. And I I think a lot of times it's just like, well, you know, they deserve all the blame because, uh, you know, they didn't orchestrate a trade on Madden and and send this phantom first rounder to go up and they just offer trades until the computer accepts it. It's like when you win, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're picking 28 to 32, you have to you have to take take your your shots where where you may. It was the same type of thing when when I think and I said it too, for years and years we're like, well, Brad Viches doesn't want to spend a premium pick on a on a first rounder uh, at the defensive back position, and then finally there was a situation where he did get a trade up and he was able to take a defensive back in that pocket that they never thought would be there, and I. I tend to think nothing against Rasheed Rice because, uh, you know, I'll talk about him a little bit later here. Uh, I tend to think that that Rice is a player that they liked, but I don't know if he was the guy that they liked the most. Now, if you want to take an opposite approach and say to me, all right, well, the chief should have kept Andrew Wiley and maybe not spent that money on Jawan Taylor and maybe spent the money on a wide receiver in free agency. Then we can get into that discussion. But then it's also like, well, who was even really available? And I think there's only so much you can do. And I'm seeing all these complaints about the wide receiver position and not surrounding Patrick Mahomes with enough talent. It's like they've been up against it. They had the Tyree kill situation. They were up against the cap. The Chris Jones situation was unresolved. So they've been up against the cap. So even these dream trades that people are coming up with, I don't know how you fit the player under the cap. And so my advice would be, look, this is probably the team. I think you got a root for one of these guys to emerge, as, as I said in my marinated teas here. I'll get into why I think that that's probably going to be Rasheed Rice, um, or you got to you got to say, look, it's not going to be as productive as it was with Juju here last year, but over five games now, they're four and one, and they could easily be five and zero. Oh. It certainly does not look as pretty as the 49ers are making it seem with all the weapons they have. I'm not saying that I feel like the Chiefs are the best team in the league, but can they be the best team in the AFC? Sure. And what if one of these players looks a lot better by the time we get to the playoffs. And now we're assuming wins, which is hard to do. But and you end up with the 49ers in the Super Bowl again right now. That looks like a, a tall task, but it is, John, October 9th. We didn't even dress up for Halloween yet. We didn't hate Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Everybody relax. The chiefs are one of two teams in the AFC with one loss. Now we get, to, we get to a few weeks from now and the road, the Miami Roadrunners run all over the chiefs. And let's say they were to win 40 to 10 and it looks really bad. I think at that point, yeah, maybe we can have that conversation, but I just, I don't get the panic at four and one. And I know this felt like a Marinette takeaway and it just was a reaction from Matt Nagy. But what I tell you is I, I think this is the plan for this year. So they're going to have to win um, with, with these guys that they
2: have uh, in the room. So I will stop. I, talking I, I yeah. agree with you. Uh, so, and so, and I'll add to that, that people say the same, same thing about free agency. Uh, I see people all the time say things like, well, you know, he didn't do anything to bring in a free agent wide receiver. We don't know that. Right, right. He may not have signed one, but that's not the same as saying he didn't go after one. I tend to uh, and, think. In fact, there's think. plenty of evidence that he did, and just you know, they couldn't make it work for whatever. If the reason.
1: if the Ravens don't sign Odell to that deal, I think there's yep. a a tremendous chance that Deon, Deandre Hopkins is a chief. Right. right. He wasn't. Glass said so. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't. I mean, he just wasn't. And and so I what I, we're always looking at is well, the Chiefs haven't done enough they've tried it's not it's not yeah. that's my that's my message to everyone and and like look sometimes you got to you got to say and and it's tough these years that you have to do more with less are tough when you're in the actual year but sometimes people say well in the course of our franchise here we have the MVP QB this year it's going to be a little bit tougher because of the way the salary cap broke wasn't any receivers that we could trade up for in the draft because, as Brett Beach said, they shut the phone off or they hung up the phone. We're just talking about old phones versus new phones. I did a, <laughs> yeah, new phones, yeah, but anyway, what what I uh, what I'd say is that I I don't I don't necessarily disagree, but I do disagree with the criticism because I I think. That they deserve the benefit of the doubt. They have now earned that with these five straight AFC title trips and two championships. And I think they really tried to do their best to make it work this year. And I think it is going to be something that they prioritize in the next offseason. I, I I understand um, the concern, but I don't appreciate the complaints. I think that's where well,
2: I'm. I think that part of the trouble is that we tend to look at it from what we can see, and we have nothing. we have no idea. The stuff that we can't see. We have no idea about it. And that actually might be a bigger piece of it. You mentioned, you know, maybe they don't pick up Trent McDuffie because they get an opportunity to trade up and there was some other player that was at the top of their board at that at that point. Mm -hmm. We 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 say, oh, well, Brett Veach never invests any uh high draft capital into a cornerback because that's all we can see, but we, we don't see are the players that he had on his list that were gone before he could get there and who knows maybe if another team had taken a different player earlier, some other player besides Trent McDuffie, perhaps a wide receiver ends up in Kansas city. I mean, I think it's, it's too easy to focus on the things that we can see just because we can't have no idea about the things we can't see. I think, I think it's a lot harder to do this than people think (laughs) on draft day and it, and it and it's it's and it's
1: not everybody so I don't want to just put loop everyone in this but it, sure, it, I, this sure. could easily be the squeaky wheel and maybe we we incorporate that into our voting this week on the react stuff john but it's just yeah look at these teams around the nfl look at the denver broncos the whining while winning is just i don't love it and i just <laughs> I wish that I would see less of it. All right. Let's go to uh Steve Spagnolo and uh, Nick Bolton now has been out for three games, but Drew
4: tranquil has done a tremendous job. Here were Spag's comments on the linebacker core. Yeah, well we got a we certainly got a real great replacement for Nick, didn't we? I mean, we didn't skip a beat. We didn't change things. That's a credit to Drew and how he operates. Going back to the tight end, I would add in there that our defensive ends helped us out a little bit too. We talked all week long about what we call possibly chucking tight ends as they came off. And I thought Mike Dana did it a couple of times. I know George did. So they helped in defending the tight end. But yeah, I give credit to the linebackers and what they did. You know, Leo had that missed tackle early, but other than that, he played pr- really pretty good for the limited snaps he had. And I thought. You're right about Drew. Willie ran around a little bit and did some good things for us. All all those linebackers helped us out. I wish I'd I'd gotten Jack in uh, a little bit more. The game just didn't dictate it that way. Um, But he was a – that tight end was a challenge, uh, and I thought our guys overall did a pretty good job with it.
1: Kind of piggybacking on the last point, this year's Chiefs are a little bit more of a complete team, and so if the offense is not going to be as explosive, you can win these, grind them out, one score type of games the Chiefs end up holding Justin Jefferson remember he played three quarters so keep that in mind but three receptions to 28 yards linebacker unit in coverage held TJ Hawkinson five catches 51 yards that's a really nice job to two of the better pass catchers in in the NFL and I I think front seven played a role in that but just just to get back to that Drew Tranquil point uh, another great game for Tranquil ends up leading the team in tackles I know he came out with an injury so We'll see his status in this estimated report on, on Monday with the quick turnaround. But uh, I think you probably get Nick Bolton back. I I, I did think he was going to come back in this game. Mm-hmm, but uh, yeah. I imagine with him, him practicing last week and having him had not gone on IR, he'll he'll be back in the mix this week because you probably would have put him on IR if he was going to end up missing this game, at least when you're projecting. But uh, I, it's just a, a really nice linebacker room you know Leo Chanel uh, going home in a sense uh you know playing in the NFC NFC North had a at a um a sack in this game and so i i i like what the chiefs are getting on that second level and again now just 3 or 4 days away from Omanahue back in the mix which we, which we've talked about a lot uh as part of that front seven so
2: yeah and i also thought it was interesting that uh, Spags made note of Trying to get Cochrane in and not getting in them getting him in there as much as he wanted to. And I think that's something that we underappreciate sometimes from the outside. When the game is over, we go, Oh, well, they gave this many snaps to this player, but this many yeah. slaps snaps to this other player. Well, that may not be what they intended to do. Right. It may be that the game played out in such a way that it didn't work out, which is what Spagnolo just said is that mm-hmm. you know the game didn't play out that way. We wanted to give him more snaps than we did. And I think that's another place where we get focused in on what we can see and without realizing how important the unseen things are in the calculation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like those comments. Uh, We have the full coordinator comments right now up at from the podium on the AP podcast network. We're going to continue on here Uh, again. I. I know this is a little bit of a, a janky show because we're going to talk about the Broncos here and then we're going to go back to the marinated takeaways. But it's the beauty of this short week. So I want to get to the coordinator quotes on the Broncos and we'll go back uh, to Steve Spagnolo here. Here were his comments about the Broncos
4: offense that kind of surprised me a little bit here. Hey, I, I will say this, uh, Adam, I, I do think that they're – listen, I know they haven't been winning – games right now they certainly would, would be wanting to win more but I do see an efficient quarterback Uh if you look at him statistically he's right up there with some of these other quarterbacks and accuracy and how he's completing the ball I think they've had some of the similar same similar things happen to them that you know Minnesota had going in a couple of turnovers or a bad play here or there but I think this offense and then Sean does a great job with any quarterbacks he can stress a defense with personnel groupings and motions and shifts. That's always been his thing. Uh, and I think this quarterback's getting more and more used to it. I'm really impressed with their backs. Uh, we know what they have on the edge uh, receiver-wise with Judy and some of the others. But I, I think this is an offense that, that there's not one in the league that we don't worry about going in. And on a short week, we got to be on point to make sure they certainly don't get things going.
1: The quarterback... I love you, Spags, but this is right up the Andy Reid alley of complimenting <laughs> someone who doesn't deserve it. Right now, Russ Wilson, among starters, is 17th in the league in, in completion percentage. Success rate, which digs a little bit deeper, John, this is a, one of those pro football um, reference stats. That's He's 18th with 44.4. 4. This is a, a classic case of the Broncos are going to be outmatched uh, by the Chiefs defense, but they are not wanting to get that out there, of course. Right.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, you know, you know me, Pete. If it's a division game, I- I'm never going to predict it to be a blowout. Sometimes they are, but uh, division games. There's a lot of marbles on the table, and I sure. think that uh, that teams, even when they're not playing the world champions, uh, <laughs> put it all out on the field when they're playing a division game. Uh, so I'm I'm not wild about you know predicting this is going to be a big Chiefs win, and I especially uh, don't think that the the number of Chiefs victories against the Broncos in the last you know eight years or whatever it's been now uh, really enters into it because a lot of those games have been close victories for the Chiefs. In fact, the second one of those games was an overtime victory uh, after the first one. So, um, well, I think there's a real case to be made, and and. To, to boost
1: your point here the Broncos are not going to the postseason and so the sure. only thing they really have to play for one of the only things they have to play for this year a is being a spoiler and then B is ending the streak if they right could pop. Mm-hmm. so this is one of two games over the next three weeks we're, we got Broncos the next two out of the next three weeks they play the the Broncos they play the Chargers and the Broncos so you get a an AFC West uh, division streak um right here. I did, I did notice this story, uh, and this is kind of around the NFL a little bit, but uh, Ian Rappaport, after Randy Gregory was traded away, uh, has said now that Frank Clark could be available. Imagine that the Broncos would not want to trade him back to the Chiefs, but I wonder <laughs> if that you go here. If Frank Clark was released, and they're just shedding older players because they, they're realizing this is a complete rebuild, and they're trying to get one of these probably – better draft capital i know they've traded a lot of their picks away but i'm sure they're trying to get all the draft capital they can could frank clark be a guy that ends up back i i typically take the same approach here i know there's been questions about it i think once the chiefs move on they move on uh we've always seen the justin houston pushes and you know at at one point they said eric fisher might be back it doesn't really seem like the chiefs go back into the fridge to get the spoiled milk so i i don't think so But uh, I do find it interesting that Frank Clark uh, is signed away by a division team and now suddenly could be available uh, really quickly here, John.
2: Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, The last few days, there have been a lot of players that uh, were signed to big contracts that have been let go kind of unceremoniously, Randy Gregory just being one of them. Um, and And, you know, again, this is a place where, you know, people want to complain about what kind of job Brett Veach has done We haven't been doing that, not Mm. to that extent. You know, you can complain about Anthony Hitchens, but, you know, uh, you can complain about Frank Clark. Yeah, those guys got paid more money than maybe they would have been worth just on their production. But you don't know what that production is going to be when you sign a free agent. And it's not that unusual for a free agent not to live up to the extra price you pay because they're a free agent. And then Mm -hmm. you look around at situations like Randy Gregory where they paid that money, and after, what, a year and five games, (laughs) they're trading him away? That's bad. That's really bad. (laughs) The Broncos
1: have surrendered a lot of picks in recent years in the Russell Wilson deal, John. Uh, So I I did look this up quickly because I wanted to confirm. They still do have their own pick for 2024. And so that – or a first-round pick. So that could usually be an indication of, like, Let's get go young and rebuild. There only happens to be this otherworldly quarterback in the NFL draft that you might want to be first overall for. So, yeah, uh,
2: well, I don't, I never have bought into that.
1: You mean tanking for a dude? Yeah. I don't
2: believe in tanking.
1: I like, I don't think they're they're pulling the players into their rooms and saying, like, at the end of games, we're gonna blow it if we're close. I think there is a, you know, a a a active rebuilding with the idea of losing in the process not maybe not being the worst thing in the world i don't think anyone's ever actively trying to lose but when you just kind of ship off a player like randy gregory for nothing and you're just like all right we're just gonna have no pass rush this year yeah you might be trying to win each and every sunday but if you end up with a 1-16 record in the process and you can get the next quarterback of the future and this guy's really good in college then i i could see maybe that kind of being a thought process like, like this Sean Payton was going to get one year with Russell Wilson. They were going to see if they can make it work. It is not working. They're not bringing Sean Payton uh, and picking Russell Wilson now over him. So I could see them wanting to give him some kind of quarterback that, that he could, he could make work. We'll
2: see. Oh, I, well, okay. Right now. It's, it's a different, it's a different thing. Salting away draft picks so that you've got flexibility to make a move and go after a good player when you've got a bad team going on. That's one thing. And I think yeah. that happens. Right, I do right. not think, that teams deliberately lose i've spent a lot of time in locker rooms in my lifetime yeah. i've spent a lot of time talking to coaches and owners and gms and i have never met a one of them not a single one that would be okay with deliberately losing a game even if you've already lost 15 of them this season i've just never seen that i, I, I don't not, disagree that's with not part you. of their personality
1: I don't disagree with you, but I think I do think there's higher level. Like, let's commit to this as a developmental year, and we're and we're probably going to lose in the process, and maybe that's not the worst thing in the world because we'll have higher draft picks. You know but that's
2: I mean? a different thing than let's yeah. tank for such and such player. Yeah, I just I don't, don't think I, that happens.
1: I agree with you. I mean, I don't, I don't think like yeah. Active tanking exists by any, yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's uh, go to the Nagy side of things and hear what he has to say about the Denver Broncos defense.
3: Yeah. This is a defense that um, you know you look at the the personnel that they have, and they've had some changes here there. They had a few injuries here or there, and um, but we we know you know first of all in this league there's a lot of great NFL defenses, and and you can take stats and throw it out the window. I mean these guys play hard, and they're they're in a lot of these games, and and I know right now their record may not show that, but they play hard, and and the DNA of you know their defensive coordinator and Vance Joseph is uh, is an aggressive one, but yet playing fast and knowing where to be. So you know it's 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 obviously a short turnaround for us, and just coming from the game yesterday, you get right on into it, and you got to dig into knowing what they do and don't do. But we just have a lot of respect across the board, and and you know I think you always start with um, with Sertan back there and just who he is and how he plays. And he can, he's going to follow guys. um, And he's going to also, you know, make plays when the ball's in the air. And then that front, that front seven, you know, they move around pretty good. And I think they got some guys that get after the quarterback. So we just got to make sure we do what we do, uh, stay within our system and just know that they're a good defense.
1: Maggie highlighting Sertan there. I I think Sertan was drafted with, with, you know the idea i know he's a cornerback but but trying to find find ways to curb travis kelsey and everything that he does and, and sure yeah that's been out there and i know that's been a bit of thing uh same thing here in know, bronco the broncos offense the broncos defense has not been good this is a defense that what two weeks ago gave up 70 points and so it's It's all about this week. you know, it's a mismatch on paper. The chiefs know they're going to be a better team. They know they should win, but it's going to be the coaching staff. as you're kind of hearing, I think, just making sure that they take care of business anyway. And should the chiefs play clean football, I've said it a couple of weeks now. There's no way the Denver Broncos win. But there's been cases where the the Chiefs take penalties, they make mistakes, and then all of a sudden you're in a dicey game in the fourth quarter. and I think that's only magnified as John, you were mentioning earlier in the division.
2: Right. Right. I agree. Uh, And at least, you know, in this game, the Broncos won't be able to wear those snazzy uniforms. I have to say, those were nice looking uniforms that they showed us. Oh, the the white white ones? Yeah, those were pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I really I liked looking at those compared to, you know, some of the other Broncos uniforms I've seen over the year, which Speaking I've of, always thought they looked pretty stupid. So the Chiefs uh, wore my favorite combo yesterday,
1: but but uh, the no red socks. You got to get the red socks with the white on white. That completes the <laughs> ensemble. It's beautiful. Here we go. Beautiful
2: here we go. Mixing and
1: matching. For all you, all, I, I, this is the editor's show, right? With Pete Sweeney, the editor, and, and John Dixon, the editor. So, you know, I'm going to say my opinions here. I know you, some of you love the red on red. It is not as good of a look as the white on white. It just isn't. And that's according to me. And I'm uh, I'm a 100% <laughs> correct yeah, in, in this opinion.
2: Everyone, right. especially you, says so.
1: <laughs> we touched upon the Broncos here. We're going to get into more of it this week on the AP Podcast Network, certainly on the website with the newsletter, everything about the, the Denver Broncos. But after our break here, we're going to go back. Into the Vikings game for our world-famous marinade takeaways. Stay with us right here
3: on the Airhead Pride Editors show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series
2: running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work
4: Well, I'm going to let this marinate.
1: You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back.
4: Adapt, react, readapt.
2: It
1: takes time. It takes
2: years.
1: <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. Quick week here. The Denver Broncos coming to Arrowhead Stadium on Thursday night. But before we... Get deeper into that game. We're going to go back to Sunday and talk about the marinated takeaways from this twenty-seven to twenty victory in Minnesota, John. So, what did you uh, initially take away from this game?
2: Well, I have to say that uh, I originally was kind of where Rocky is on this thing: is that it's starting to look really bad for the wide receivers. But uh, over the course of the of the morning, uh, mm-hmm. I've discovered a couple of things I didn't know. One of which is that the wide receivers had um more yards in yesterday's game than they'd had in all but one other game this season. Yeah. Uh that's that's hard to look up. You have to, you know, go back game by I also, game and add up the positions. But I'll let, I'll I'll let you
1: continue, John. But I, I, I also have like been thinking this too. Like, is the problem the wide receiver position or is the problem that, that I think fans are complaining about that there's not one particular wide receiver because right. it feel, feels more the latter. And so uh, right. you can continue. I
2: I agree with that. And, uh, and we've published an article that makes that point. Um, I believe I was it Nate or Caleb who wrote the piece about um, that. I think it was Caleb, but I'll, I probably got it wrong, but it was a piece about, Uh, how the percentages worked out and they're actually spreading the ball around more uh, than they usually do where the guys who are, you know, fifth and sixth on the list are getting more snaps and targets than they have in years past. So I think that's part of it is that, that people just feel like we should have this big time receiver. Who's the number one guy that gets all Mm -hmm. these targets. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Uh, We should never even have expected that this year. No, yeah. You know, they didn't get a guy to replace Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, they didn't get a guy to replace McCole Hardman. Uh, the whole wide receiver room is made up of guys who are not going to be a player like that. The, they've said all along that a wide receiver by committee was what they wanted to do. And if you compare the yardage that they've gained over the course of four games... It's not way out of whack. I mean, it's different. Yeah, it's not, but it's not way out of whack. And last year, let's not forget that last year, even when Hardman and Smith-Schuster were here, the Chiefs didn't have nearly as many wide receiver yards as they'd had when Tyreek Hill was here. And they made up for it by getting more yards from Kelsey and also from Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon was a big part of the Chiefs' passing game. In 2022, he hasn't been that a big part yet, but most of it was in the end of the season. So we'll see. Uh, I think that the Chiefs have the, the Chiefs knows there's different ways to skin a cat, and I think that's what we're seeing.
1: They're also leaning more into the running game, which is going to take away from yardage. I just pulled this up quickly, and this this is amazing to me too. In the NFL, just as far as passing yardage, receiving yardage, and this includes tight ends, so keep that in mind. But the Chiefs are seventh in the NFL. And Mm -hmm. the Dolphins are at 1681 (laughs) and the Dolphins have looked like one of the most explosive teams of all time. The chiefs are at 1318. That is not that far behind. I know it's like two to 300 yards, but if you've watched a Dolphins game this year, that's almost to be expected. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I keep finding myself on X and I, i find myself asking myself am i am i crazy for thinking this is not a big deal especially since the chiefs are in first place and i feel crazy and maybe i am and and maybe they end up losing a game because they don't have wide receiver production but isn't isn't the only thing that matters production like well who cares if if it's from more of travis kelsey or you're relying on Mm -hmm. isaiah pacheco or hell you're relying on the defense to maybe keep it to twenty points this year because the Chiefs aren't always going to get to thirty like they did in the past when they had to Tyreek Hill. I I don't know that. I agree with you, and I don't mean to be ranty. You're, everyone is entitled to their opinion, but I I have been like wondering if I'm the crazy one because I don't I don't see the 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 all the complaints as much of an issue. You know, so long as they continue to put um, wins together. Speaking of things that annoyed me, John, uh, my first marinade takeaway. <laughs> Uh, Is this referee stuff for real like I'm looking around the the league and speaking of Twitter, there's only only one thing annoying me more than Chiefs Twitter right now, and that is Vikings Twitter. What are they talking about with these penalties? I understand maybe there were some questionable calls in this game, but you look no further than the stats. The Chiefs were called for 10 penalties for 86 Mm -hmm. yards. Yeah, the Vikings were called called for six less penalties. What are we talking about when it comes to th- this being fixed for the NFL, the the Chiefs in the NFL? Uh did anyone pay attention to what they were doing to for to Juwan Taylor for 3 weeks to begin the year of national scrutiny that was overadjusted and the Chiefs had to like say something because it was so ridiculous uh, at a certain point and now he's starting to settle back in and I just how could the Chiefs be called for six more penalties? I understand the time of games that were that that they were called in I understand Lajarius Snead took his hat off, but like, I I don't know. I I I'm at a loss. Um, uh, you know, you talk about the the tanking thing that we just had a discussion on. Fixing it for the Chiefs, I feel like if anything, you'd want other teams to be having more opportunity. Like, if say you were going to do this master fixing thing, wouldn't you want the parity to be there? Isn't that that what the NFL is always right. going for? Mm-hmm. for parity, right? We go the other way. I I don't right. know. Yeah, and, it doesn't make any
2: sense, does it?
1: <laughs> and I, I just, I guess, I guess, I just tried to put myself back into like the Bree Mahomes days, where when you'd play the New England Patriots and a, and a penalty came, and when you just had the game in your grasp, it was hard. I think not to feel like, man, is Kansas City getting screwed here? And right, right now, you're that team. And if there are going to be back to back weeks with big calls and big spots that help you out in significant areas of the game maybe it is natural to feel that way
2: i'm just i'm at a loss when it comes to that stuff john well what i've always noticed about these kinds of arguments is that um they always find a way to turn it back the other direction when it's when it suits their interests to do so um and so i've i've kind of tended to just ignore it it to me it just has become noise all, all the complaining about the officiating look the officiating could be better Everyone is going to agree about that, that there are times that the officials make bad calls. That's just a fact, and it's always going to be a fact. And they could do some things to make it better, but they haven't chosen to do so yet. And even when they do, it's never going to be perfect. So we just have to put up with the fact that. You know, the officials are going to make mistakes just like the damn players make mistakes sometimes. (laughs) You know, it's a mistake if you overthrow a receiver, but we don't say, well, we should get rid of that that quarterback and, you know, make it so he never overthrows the receiver. Well, you know what? That's not going to happen. He's going to make mistakes sometimes. And so do the officials. That's just the way it is. It's I think uh... where we get in trouble is thinking that there's something behind it, I think. I
1: think that that Jason Kelsey had a good point with the officials too. Everyone sees these super slow-mo calls, but right. they have to be made in real time. Right. Yeah. So it's I don't know. I, I just I think it's more the people sick of the Chiefs winning than any kind of secret referee <laughs> conspiracy. And I, you know, I'm sure that that it's been tough in Minnesota having lost so many one-score games this year sure. when you were winning the yeah. last year and so exasperated uh the taylor swift commercials probably don't help uh, in that regard but <laughs> it is what it is all right john what's your next marathon to take away?
2: um well i thought it was interesting this is a little tiny thing but the chiefs beat the spread yesterday cover <laughs> i mean i don't care yeah. about this personally you right. know and and the, the spread actually decreased over the course of the week but it started at five and a half the points and the chiefs beat it yeah. I mean, I just looked it up before we started because I didn't know. I guess the Chiefs are three and two against the spread this year, which I which surprised me. I would have said it was, you know, right one and four or something. But um, I was, you know, the Chiefs beat the spread, and that seems yeah. to be a thing that matters to some people, not to me. Well, especially but, after you know, gambling
1: legal in Kansas, you've had a lot more people wagering on on Kansas yeah. City. Yeah, uh, we learned last week. Uh, Poor, poor radio host asked a question and won't name names here, but Patrick Mahomes does not want any spread questions uh, ever. It it sounded like to me Uh, Good for the Chiefs for covering it, though. And, you know, from a greater standpoint, if you're not a better, that just means that they're outplaying what is projected by people who who make a lot of money uh doing this so I right think that's they're a...
2: exceeding ex- expectations and that's, that's been a problem this season is that he they, right. the chiefs have not met the expectations that fans have had for them so that's one thing that this beating the spread tells you is at least they met some kind of expectation
1: yeah. i hope the people that really are mad about these receivers haven't shut the podcast off because i do have some negativity to express <laughs> in the receiver room <laughs> And I know I'm probably eating into one of your points, maybe later, and talking about snap counts, John. But I'm ready to see Rasheed Rice get the snap counts that Sky Moore is getting. I I, I think to at a certain point, you gotta and, and you know it's not something necessarily negative about Sky, but you gotta go to the receiver who is actively, you can clearly see gaining the trust of his quarterback, um, gaining enough separation for the quarterback to throw him the football. And I know that Andy Reid and, and this staff tends to lean into veterans, especially toward the the beginning of the year. <laughs> Nate Taylor had a funny tweet yesterday after the first quarter. He goes, "We're a quarter of the way through the NFL season because now it has to go like in the middle of these games, where because of the seventeen <laughs> game schedule. But through a quarter of the way, you, you start to know, okay, who can we actually rely on? And you know, you you want to argue to me that maybe receiver production would be up if for Rice started to get more playing time. I'm not disagreeing about that. I, I think it's time to to kind of give him what would be a full load. I, I know that these guys are rotating a lot. And so I'm looking at the the raw numbers here. Seems like Sky's beginning in, in the 55 to 70 percent range all year, where you have Rice kind of going in that 30 to 50. So I would I would like to see that swapped. I know that that who plays what position, what the Chiefs like to do as far as what the receiver brings to the table plays a little bit into the into it. But just like sometimes when I'm like Man, I want to see Isaiah Pacheco carrying the football more. I'd like to see Rasheed Rice more so on the field, John.
2: Well, and again, I think that there may be games where the Chiefs intend to do exactly that, and then they don't because they've put together these packages based on what happens, uh, what the defense does in response to the first scripted plays, the fifteen, the famous 15 plays at the beginning of the game. And then they run certain packages more than they plan to because of what happens when they run the scripted plays. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on that we have no idea about. And it may be that that's exactly what they intend, is to get Rasheed Rice more snaps, and then it just doesn't play out that way. I've got the chart right in front of me here. Uh, In week one, Rice had 32%. In week two, he had 17% and then just above, or right about 50% for Chicago and the Jets both, and then down to 30% in Sunday's game. So I could see why that would be frustrating for people to have this guy who is one of the more productive receivers, um, you know, getting half the percentage of snaps that Marquez Valdez-Scantling is getting, for example and yeah. so I, I get why people want that i understand your point you know at a but... certain
1: point you got to lean into i agree that you got to lean into the production you know i i think i'm more so at at a point i've expressed it that i i don't see the big problem while you're winning and i, I think you know you're, you're still like figuring out this year's identity which is not going to look like last year however when rasheed rice is playing like he is and you're you're seeing it points in games and i'm going to be careful here and 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 I, I understand the direction I'm going in, but you're seeing it at points in games where I think Rashid Rice is almost to the point of like earning that like Kelsey level trust. They're going to him. You know, they're, you know Mahomes, Mahomes mm-hmm. starts to look for him in particular. It's not to the level of Kelsey. So I, I know that's a little bit exaggerated. However, when do we say that about Sky Moore? We haven't. When do we ever say that about Marquez Valdez-Scanley? We don't. So I understand the money they're making. I understand the round they they were picked in. I understand the veteran experience. But at a certain point, I do agree with you got to lean into the receivers that are having the the most production. uh, And I'd I'd love to see that uh, in Kansas City.
2: Well, you wouldn't be bothered by it nearly as much if he was getting 50% of the snaps. The trouble is that he's been 30% or below in three of the five games. That's the problem. You know, if we're truly doing this wide receiver by committee, he ought to be up around 50%.
1: You know, when you look for windows where the, the Chiefs do make switches like that, it's when they get extra time off. And so maybe this mini buy will provide a little little look at the self-scouting mm-hmm. and, and maybe yeah. see more, see she Rice more uh, after this.
2: That's There's entirely NFL possible. So. Yeah, that's entirely possible. We could see that kind of a shift after the game against Denver. Yes, I agree. All right, what else, John? Um, The fake punt. Oh, my God, the fake punt. Yeah. Yeah, people, uh, you know, I'm – I get really tired of people being, you know, we spent this whole show complaining about fan takes, haven't we? <laughs> Don't I get care. so tired about, I get so tired of people complaining about Dave Tobe and I'm not sure he really deserves it on this fake punt from Sunday's game. Mike Dana was held on that play because he was about to bust it wide open because he was about to destroy it. And you know, and the defense you want to talk, talk about the, penalties? There's a penalty that should have been called. <laughs> the defense was on the field, it's right. not like he was caught off guard at right. a certain point. Yeah. When
1: does it become the player's fault,
2: right? And like, when does it become the head coach's fault? It's not Dave's, Dave Tobes' fault right. that the defense is on the field. If the defense is on the field, it's because Andy Reid said, let's leave the defense out there. So, how is that Dave Tobes' fault? Yeah, I the, could just go on and on about it. It, it, it is, uh, it's. <laughs> It's always it's
1: a it's a part of the NFL where the players never really get the blame. But I yeah, this is one of those scenarios where the defense is is left on the field, even though they're in yeah. this punt formation, and they know that it's coming, and the players couldn't execute it. Like that is a picture perfect example of yeah, it should be the players that were on the field that knew it was coming and could not stop it. I I don't know. I I'm with you on that one. Um, my final uh, takeaway is. I, I would really like to see the Chiefs bring back LeJarius Sneed, but I worry about it. You know, we kind of saw them with a similar player. I think LeJarius Sneed is better than this particular player, but with uh, Charvarius Ward, he ends up getting a nice contract from the 49ers, but he was a good player in Kansas City. Uh, I think LeJarius Sneed is a bit more versatile than Ward was, and I think the Chiefs really see value in that. But I think it's going to be an interesting contract conversation because you do have Bolton coming up, you do have Trey Smith coming up, you have Creed Humphrey. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with chris jones i think suddenly you wonder about willie gay and you're tranquil a lot of a lot of tough decisions to be made yeah but Lejerry Sneed is a dog to go up against uh justin jefferson i know it was a little bit of the combination with trent mcduffie but uh to limit him and, and ensuring that he didn't uh um, wreck the game for you and he does this each and every week I, I think he had a tough week one remember with all the knee stuff he he didn't end up getting you know, a full bevy of practice time, training camp time, heading into that game. I think after week one, it's been great. So uh, tough player to let go. And I, I think that's going to be a tough decision for the Chiefs. I wonder what he's worth in the open market. Just me wondering out loud because it would be sure nice to, I think, retain him in, in Kansas City.
2: Well, you know, he's been on the injury report every week. Um, You know, he's never been given a game game day designation, you know, like questionable or anything like that. But he's been on the injury report every week because they're working on him. You know, they're working on that knee. And, of course, he was kept out of practice for, what, two weeks at the end of training camp or something? And it was all because he was having inflammation. So that's the only reason that I would be wondering whether the Chiefs would even want to retain him after 2023 is the issue That's of fair. his longevity which has to do with his knee but i can't argue that he's not playing extremely well he is he is playing extremely well and uh but i think that the issue with his knee really complicates uh well, what the chiefs could do in 2024 with him
1: every team that signs these players they go through a physical so right right maybe it is a scenario where Less teams become interested because of some of those medicals, and the the Chiefs can, in a sense, get a discount. Um, yeah, I, I tend to think he's going to want to stay in Kansas City. It'll be an interesting one, uh, but I, it would be would be great to bring him back because I, I just think he is a very very underrated player in the scope of the NFL, and uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough player to replace. Uh, I know the Chiefs just they throw a million darts at these defensive backs, but they would miss need if he was suddenly unavailable this year. All right. Uh, when we come back, we have uh, the other injuries to watch. John will give us uh, some snap count takeaways from this game, and we got the opening odds uh, against the Denver Broncos on Thursday night. This is the Airhead Pride Editor Show. Stay with us.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, wrapping up what is the week five, week six edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. John, we had mentioned uh, Drew Tranquil, an injury to watch. I know Mike Dana... Hurt his ribs. We got Travis Kelsey and this uh, low ankle sprain. What a what a what a dog! Uh, speaking of dogs and, and playing through uh, that injury to come back and have the game-winning touchdown. Nick Bolton hasn't played in three games. I feel like these are all the injuries we're watching. I would think that Kelsey would be perfectly fine to play if this game was on Sunday, but I'm I'm wondering if we have to wait and, and see. What his status is, because I got to imagine between the flight and sleeping that this thing has ballooned up and Uh it's going to take some quick treatment for him to be okay to go on Thursday night.
2: I I would almost guarantee that I would I would almost guarantee that when they took the tape off of that ankle, that it's well and the cortisone wore off or whatever they give players (laughs) now in the locker room. Yeah, that's true uh, that that, uh, he was in some serious pain there after playing on that on that thing. But but mad respect to him for going out there and playing that's well, the kind of thing fans love to see and so and i'm right there with the fans who love to see that but man i complete, bet he's paying for it today <laughs> completely different injuries
1: right it, it was a neat it looked like it was an ankle foot uh this time around yeah but what held him out of week one was that injury occurring on tuesday and right it just was not enough time i i think sunday's better <laughs> than tuesday uh the the Chiefs medical team, I don't know what they got, John. Uh, I don't know if they have magic or whatever, but they seem to be able to work fast and get these guys in at least a position where it's feasible for them to play. And I think Nick Bolton was close last week, and I think it was was good that Kelsey was able to finish the game. Uh, but I I still find them to be players to watch. We'll, we'll see what the reports say if i had to guess and i was wrong about bolton last week because i thought he'd play but i if i had to guess i think they'll they both play on thursday night but they may be limited in some fashion
2: yeah i i would bet that kelsey sits this one out if i were the Chiefs, you think he's gonna sit yeah and, and and he won't like it he'll he'll be mad about it but i think the chiefs would rather not take a chance on putting him out there four days after you know, he has an injury and that's i don't but, know, you know how much
1: I don't know how much he cares about that, but you know, you know what would take a hit is that uh, thousand-yard streak because he's already right. teetering and flirting with yeah, the projections I... not being there, and uh, it's it's been a long time now. So we'll, if he ha- if he ended up missing now, it would be two games on the year. Then he would have to get it done in 15 games, and then you're also talking about. You know, if the Chiefs continue to win, are the starters even playing? So maybe now you're looking at 14 games for the good 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I know. No, boy, his
2: But to his, uh, to his credit, uh, last yeah. week I said he had to have 65 yards in every game in order to make it to 1,000 yards. He had 67 yesterday. So and now we only uh, need
1: 63 in the next game.
2: So All we need now is Mr. Miyagi in the locker room.
1: <laughs> all right, we'll see. Uh, the final injury report, if I'm not mistaken, John, it comes out tomorrow, right? They give a give us – or is there a Wednesday one? I can't really well,
2: remember. I think they have to have three, don't they? Isn't that the deal? They have to have injury reports on yeah, three Yeah, I think that's days? right. I think
1: we do get the, the statuses on Wednesday. Yeah, but think I think on
2: Wednesday may be an estimate also. To, tomorrow's may I, – I, you know, I lose track. We this don't whole do enough of these thing, games. If, yeah, yeah. If they,
1: <laughs> you know what the, the estimate thing says to me? That Thursday night football shouldn't exist. If they're having yeah. to estimate injury <laughs> statuses and not practice – why are yeah. they running these guys out there? All right. Uh, any snap count takeaways that we haven't touched upon uh, from this Vikings Chiefs game?
2: Well, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, Marquez Valdez scanting, scantling and um, uh, is getting more snaps and sky Moore is getting more snaps uh, close to 60% right around there. And you got plays players like rushy rice, they get 30. So that's what something we already talked about. Um, I noticed that not only did Kadarius Tony be pretty effective while he was out there, he also had the highest snaps of the season um, in this particular game. Uh, Let me see. I have to go back and look now because I don't remember and I didn't, didn't write it down, but I think he was up around 40%. Uh, That may be wrong. I'm sorry. Let me look. I should have written that down. I apologize to the listeners for not knowing this off the top of my head. It's 40%, 39%. yeah, Yeah. I think Kadarius
1: has been ramping up. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. We, how many times we talk about injuries with Kadarius, but I think he's as healthy as he's been since that initial issue at training camp now and you're seeing it you're seeing it in his play. I, right. I I don't I don't know if you could ever just rip the bandaid off in a sense anymore and just say yeah, we're going to run the offense through this guy cuz I just I don't think he's durable enough for that, but and the times he is available, I think he could be a solid role player for this team for sure well i'll
2: just i'll just say this and i might have made this one of my marinated takeaways but um he didn't look like a guy that they were trying that who was trying to avoid injury no on sunday he part was part out the there problem, playing right, hard you know get dragon tacklers i mean there were a couple of plays where he looked like isaiah pacheco out there I was about to say, him
1: and Pacheco could have a I-don't-care-about-injury off because they clearly just don't care about their body and go (laughs) and run into defenders.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and I, you know, that's what you want to see from a player, but you just have to worry about whether... But, of course, I don't think that's what causes... I don't think that's what's been the cause of Tony's injuries. He hasn't gotten hurt because he's been dragging tacklers. He's been getting hurt because he makes cuts that are so so yeah intense. they're very, they're
1: quick and they're violent yeah. and he's like slamming his legs into the turf yeah. and
2: i think uh, that's i think that's what causes his injury so maybe they've told him you just want to just have guys drag you around
1: <laughs> speaking of the turf i did notice that a lot of the the taylor swift uh the swifties as they call themselves are, are they have a swifties against turf uh group group going a hashtag oh, going no. on now they oh, they're on the case of the nfl to <laughs> get rid of oh my gosh. Uh, the turf uh anything defensively or are we good to move on the
2: most the most interesting thing I, and i'm just in my early stages of looking at the snap counts i must confess it's been a busy morning um the one thing that i wanted to watch from last week was that mike edwards got a few more snaps uh in mm. week four than we had previously seen and brian cook uh was at like eighty two percent last week and, and before that he'd been one of the hundred percent players on the defense, one of the, the usual two cornerbacks and two safeties who are on the field for every for every play. And that has continued to week five. So it looks like they intend now for Mike Edwards to get um a certain percentage of the snaps uh over Brian this Cook. is one of those yeah this is one of those
1: nuanced things and maybe Brian Cook will develop it as the year, years go on. But they're in covering the NFL i have noticed that there are just some defensive backs that just have this knack for being around the ball and i i think the chiefs see the value in that in edwards and he he does it it's 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 wild uh and and i think upping his snaps i'm not saying that he should be be getting more than brian cook like i was talking about right, in the wide receiver right. room but i right. i can see why they would want him a little bit more involved uh, defensively there, there's just such a, a value to turning the football over Especially well there, is, it's, a, it's a, there the is a there is a lot
2: yeah there is a distinct difference in the way he is used he is used yeah. much more commonly against the pass than he is against the run yeah yeah that makes um, sense to me. and uh and that and I, i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that if i look at cook now it will be the opposite. Let me go. Let me swing. Let me bring Cook up on my little.
1: Thing. I like Brian Cook a lot, too. And I, I sure think he, you could tell that he is still learning on the fly, you yeah. know, kind of filling that one Thornhill role.
2: Interesting. Uh, Cook is uh, an every down player, he plays yeah. an equal number, I an mean, equal percentage of the snaps for against the, both the run and the pass. So they are bringing in, uh, it looks like they are bringing in uh, Edwards specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a guy against the pass, is what I would say. That's interesting. Specialist. Third yeah, down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. opening odds against the Broncos, uh, this game coming up on Thursday night.
2: Uh, well, they opened at nine points. That's a lot. Um, That's uh, not the biggest it's been all season. Oh, excuse me, did I say nine points? It's ten and a half points. I just wrote that yesterday. How is it I've forgotten that already? Well, because I'm yeah. old. It's a but, world, uh, yeah, it's a world yeah. win here. It's not the it's not the the biggest point spread the Chiefs have had this year. They opened with twelve points against the Bears a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, but that difference is probably the divisional game. <laughs> It'd yeah. be twelve points if it wasn't a divisional game. We're playing an NFC. Ten and a season. half is a good number. I mean,
1: I could see the Chiefs winning this game by ten, so that makes a lot of sense to me. I think yeah. if I'm if I'm having to choose one way or the other, I probably go on the side of the Chiefs. They're just playing too well. They're at home. The, the, the Broncos are just. Have st- dunk they just got embarrassed by the jets the one thing that i'd say about the the spread and and part of the problem too with, with the the 10 and a half spread and maybe it wouldn't be this if they were playing on sunday it's like thursday night football games are always odd in some capacity and i mean the chiefs mm-hmm. play odd games yeah. to begin with but especially on thursday night football and uh like if you're trying to go unbiased here I, maybe that would get you to to take the points but i gotta think the chiefs can take care of the broncos by 11 who knows um i'm gonna have to figure this out eventually because we got to put up our predictions uh here right pretty soon um it, ha- yeah, it all we'll happens just fast c- on yeah Western we'll have to Thursday do that pretty public.
2: quick this week won't we <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lot of work to do we have to get off the podcast because we have a lot of work to do um but um <laughs> we will keep the podcast network flowing uh this week i know that Steve has created a truncated schedule for us to make sure you guys uh, get some takes ahead of this game on Thursday night. Keep it locked in on the website. We've talked about Arrowhead Pride premiere. If you want a little extra from Arrowhead Pride, we'll be having newsletters. We do it three times a week now. John Deird provides uh, some extra film study. Really, really good film analyst for SB Nation. That'll come out on Tuesday, and we'll have our preview newsletter on Thursday. If you're not interested in any of that, keep it locked in on the website. Plenty of stuff there for you to check out. As well, John, um, we will be back on Monday, a couple days after the game. So those those takeaways on Monday are going to be r- real season, though. Boy, I mean, oh boy. Yeah. That bone is going to be falling. Uh, or they, this, the meat is going to be falling off the go. bone. Yeah. For,
2: the bone does not fall off the meat, Pete. That's not takeaways. how that works, yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, um, we will see you then. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to John. Uh, For them, my name is Pete Sweeney. This has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.